This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, gearing up for a busy two hours. In our three o'clock hour, Wayne Elliott is back to talk about his personal story with Strauss Naturals, a BC company best known over the years for its healthy heart drops. Wayne's got an update on that and two new products from Strauss Naturals. It seems so natural that any conversation we have somehow includes an opinion or two on real estate. With the pandemic panic, the market has changed significantly. Or has it? John Carlson from 2% Realty is on deck with his thoughts on the current market and where it might be headed during the normally busy summer season and beyond. But first, a few of the highlights and a couple of lowlights that reached our desk this week. Vancouver City Council met this week to review strategies for the grand reopening of certain businesses and facilities. You can play golf and tennis. Walk your dog in an off-leash park, but the plan to reopen community centers and museums is still work in progress. Most people who heard the following may have been as stunned as we here at Vancouver Consumer when it was revealed the city of Vancouver cut its street cleaning budget, diverting $95,000 to hire yet one more social media staffer. Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young says it sends the wrong message. Duh. Clean the streets or more Twitter. My words, not hers. Despite an opening day marked by technical issues in B.C.'s camping reservation system, a record 51,000 bookings were made. And by Tuesday of this past week, the glitches in the overburdened system had been worked out, as our thirst for the great outdoors is clearly evident. Another example, the Sea to Sky Gondola, open to the general public this week with certain safety protocols. You can buy tickets online, but not in person at the attraction. And did you recently buy... A Lotto 649 ticket in Alder Grove? Someone did, and it's a winner. 24 million. Now, wouldn't that buy a nice chunk of real estate? Well, in this hour, real pleasure to have back an old friend of the show, John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, John's phone number, 604-612-0080. I guess the question you get most asked, John, what is the market up to? Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, Manny. Um, great to be back here. And you're right. That is, you know, one of the number one questions I'm getting right now, because um, with such a shock to the system and everybody's fully aware of it, um, people who are still uh, interested in real estate at this time are kind of asking the questions, what's really going on out there? Um, you know, obviously, there's there's conflicting information, there are different opinions and uh, statistics that may or may not apply to our to our local market. So, you know, that's a great question. I think that's one of the things we should be addressing today. Well, I think, uh, John, you know, all the figures that I've looked at over the past week, and we talked about it before coming on this afternoon, that there are so many statistics being put out by various groups, including real estate groups, and it's just a massive confusion. I, I can't make hide nor tail of them. I really can't. You know, and I get these comments quite a bit. And since we're on the topic of discussion, maybe we should talk about, uh, you know, the elephant in the room and that being the CMHC report that came out last week calling for a nationwide decline in Canadian house values and prices over the next 12 months. Well, that that was absolutely shocking when you consider that the big um, mortgage insurer uh, was rattling off figures 
that were, I think, just way out of line. For example, uh, they are predicting a nightmare collapse in the national housing market, sales dropping up to 29%, average house prices dropping as much as 18%, with no real recovery until 2022. Yeah, and these are the kind of stats that, um, and you know, forecasting is is uh, dicey at the best of times, and I think especially in a situation that's as unprecedented as, you know, as we're in, I think it must be tough to make forecasts. And I'm going to do my best to to give the listeners uh, my opinion of what's going on on a local level. But I think um, the first thing to consider uh, regarding the CMHC report is this is a Canada-wide prediction. They're talking about the Canadian housing market. And, you know, at any given time, like for instance, a few years ago, um, you know, the eastern part of Canada, the markets were not strong and, and Vancouver was going crazy. And the, the national stats were saying, oh, the prices are down and here and people in, in Vancouver are thinking, uh, no way, that's not happening. So the first thing to remember, I think, is that it, when it comes to real estate statistics and, and the health of certain markets, it really very much varies from market to market. It's a local phenomenon. Nationwide is, you know, can, can be a little bit confusing. And uh, on the bright side, I would suggest uh, Greater Vancouver, if you look at where we were at the beginning of the year, January and February, it it was pretty clear that the market was heading into seller market territory. Prices were poised to go up. Activity was really on the rebound after a soft, uh, you know, 2019. And we were heading into, you know, a lot of predictions were talking about, you know, five and maybe 10% price increases across the board. Well, Obviously, that's out the window, but that momentum and that desire to, you know, to own property in Greater Vancouver is still there. So um, I think that Vancouver will be in a much better position to weather whatever economic challenges we face than, say, maybe other parts of the country when it comes to real estate. So that's the first thing I think to consider there. Well, you've been one of the top selling real estate agents over the past decade, 24 years in the game, and more than one thousand career sales. John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. Or call John, 604-612-0080. When do you think the market, I, you know, the crystal ball is ever so clear for most people, clear like mud. But in your experience, John, with the ups and downs of the real estate market over the years, any indication when we might get back to normal, whatever normal that is? That's a, a really tough one. Um, but I can tell you that I think we're already uh, turning the corner in terms of returning to a little bit more of a, a normal, you know, situation. Um, you know, sometimes people are, are, you know, under the impression that prices are falling or they're going up or they're, they're this and that. And, and one thing I can tell you is right now in the market, the market is very healthy. Uh, we, of course, saw a, a drop in number of sales, uh, 50 to 60 percent in April compared to last year. And, and I think that's you know, understandable given the situation. But the interesting thing is the listing inventory also dropped by about the same amount. So the market really wasn't in decline. It was kind of in a state of pause for a degree, uh, for a time. And, and it seems that, you know, some of the segments, particularly more affordable segments where inventory is a little bit low, like if you had a, a really nice townhouse in Port Moody, there's very few listings available right now, or a good detached house in Maple Ridge with, uh, you know, say $800,000 range, there's, there's little there. Um, so prices really, if you look at it, have not changed much. Prices only change after a sustained period of time of uh, buyer market activity where there are more potential sellers than there are buyers to soak up the inventory. So in terms of the market returning to normal price-wise, it still pretty much is where it was in a lot of segments. In fact, 
some segments because the inventory is so low and the buyers, some buyers are returning to the market. You know, we're seeing multiple offers in some segments where, you know, there may be two or three buyers and very few listings to look at in a, in a particular price range. Yeah, I've seen a few of those this week myself. Uh, multiple offers, bidding wars, uh, selling price above list price. So uh, you're right. I guess it kind of depends on the market. What is that hot market? Is it the two to three bedroom condo or townhouse? It's, well, it, it depends on the segment and the market. Um, I have, uh, for instance, some condo listings. They're a little bit more price sensitive in some areas. They're, you know, Langley is one I've brought up before as a, as a heavily uh, inventoried um, condo market. There's a lot of condos in, in Langley. And if you have, I, in fact, we just, I have one that has an accepted offer on it now, hoping to firm that up within the next few days. But that market is a little bit more price sensitive, and I don't anticipate multiple offers, uh, you know, in that segment. However, um, I have a listing in Surrey um, that's uh, a little bit in the affordable range, 1.2 to 1.3 range. And, uh, you know, we had three offers on that property because we offered the yard, the location, the cul-de-sac, the basement suite accommodation. Uh, and there just really was very little in terms of competing listings out there. So it kind of varies from segment to segment. And these are one of the, this is, you know, one of the big questions I'm answering for the people calling me right now. Where does my property fit? into the market and how would I go about putting it on the market, safely marketing it and achieving the best price? You know, what am I up against right now? And so that's generally what people are asking me when they call. So you do some comparables and your research and you come up with what you consider to be a, a smack on price. That smack on price, however, John, uh, might have to be lowered if people are still sitting on the fence. Are you running into that scenario? Sitting on the fence in terms of buyers? Yes, and that would affect the the possible list price of a home. Yes, whenever, like, let's face it, we're in a situation where there are fewer buyers out there looking to buy properties. People have been sidelined. Maybe they're afraid of their job being gone, or uh, they're just cautious right now because, you know, of everything going on. There are fewer sales that are going to happen in May um, this month when the stats come out, and probably June than years past. But again, the inventory, uh, the available properties that any given segment of buyers can look at and offer on is also reduced. Um, So really it comes down to, first and foremost, when I'm doing an evaluation for someone, I want to look at how many available properties are there on the market that are competing to ours. Because the more there are, the more price sensitive you are. Um, Generally speaking, higher price properties um, will have fewer buyers right now in a market like this than very affordable properties. So um, again, it depends on the segment and the market, but anyone who you know is thinking of selling in the near future and wants to talk about how that might work, of course, I'm available. And how do you get a hold of John? Pretty simple, 604-612-0080. Go to his website, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson of 2% Realty. Joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, I'm Manny Bazunas. Uh, John, I think it's probably safe to say that uh, better to be safe than sorry. And when the real estate group, as in Realtors, had to come up with a way of keeping your essential service going, it was it was pretty difficult, but you managed it pretty quickly, and I think to everyone's satisfaction, and that's the virtual tour. But there are still folks, I'm sure, that you are in touch with that say, well, that's a great picture, John. That's a great video, John, but I want to go out and see how much I can kick the tires on the actual bricks and mortar. What's the scenario now? Has it changed at all in the last month since you've been on? Things have changed, absolutely. Um, 
the there was already a movement in our industry to you know to, to go uh, say paperless transactions and and that's been going on for some time and virtual tours and marketing properties virtually as you know like in any business you know this has been a trend but especially with the um the covid-19 crisis um open houses have for the most part disappeared i've heard of some coming back right now i'm not doing them um but what i am doing is virtual open houses 3d modeling of properties and i think you know, the big draw to these, not necessarily that someone's going to take a look at a 3D tour, walk through it and write an offer. I, I don't see that happening, at least on a local level. Um, but it is nice because we can, if someone calls me about it or goes to the website, they can walk through the listing ahead of time. And who knows, perhaps there are things there that might lead a buyer to say, you know, maybe this property is not for me. Or on the other hand, they might see it and get more excited and say, hey, this looks this looks really good. So it's a good way to make sure you're having only the proper interested people into a home um, and having maybe one level of filter to say, hey, here's what the property is like before you ask to come in the door, maybe take a look at these things. But on the other hand, showings are continuing and I think they're key. Um, my listings are being shown by agents and I'm showing my uh, buyers listings out there with proper protocol in place and we can talk about that if you like mm -hmm. but the virtual the virtual thing is a great way to expose your listings without just having the public walk through willy-nilly and to weed out the uh, the serious buyers from the rest and then to um, you know uh, hopefully set up an appointment with a serious qualified buyer um, and, and the nice thing about the market is right now there are fewer buyers out there but it seems that most of the people out there are pretty serious you don't need 50 showings to get an offer on a property if it's priced well right now um, you know the buyers that are out there they're not kicking tires they tend to be serious and they want to buy and they're perusing what inventory they can find and in some cases there's not a lot to look at well I think that's one of the great benefits for everyone concerned buyer and seller uh, what has happened during this crisis is uh, everybody's had to change the way they do biz including the real estate business and it like you say it it weeds out uh, the serious buyers or sellers from those who just want to look that's right and, and I, I don't know, you know how I feel about this is I have a job. When I have a listing, I have a job to achieve a result for my seller. But we also, as real estate agents, have a job, just like the rest of the British Columbians here, to help keep this province safe from COVID-19. And um, so when I take a listing, um, you know, I talk to my sellers about here's how things go with showings. And, and there are many measures in place right now. And I'm finding I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with the on-site viewings because Generally, uh, before someone comes in a house, I will ask uh, the agent, hey, you know, I can send them a questionnaire. Has anyone shown any illness lately? Have they traveled uh, significantly lately? We generally try to, to limit the number of people in a house. Uh, so if mom and dad are looking for a house, you know, ask them not to drag their three or four kids through the house as well. Just have maybe have mom and dad and the agent come through. It's great if everyone has a mask. And, uh, and even gloves or a hand-washing station. I, I have my sellers leave all the lights on. I provide access, so not so much has to be touched. And um, if showings are done that way, so far from what I can tell, it seems to be uh, completely safe. And uh, people who are comfortable, you know, having people come through their home to take a look are, are getting showings on the property. So we, we have a duty, of course, to operate in a very safe way and keep everybody safe, while at the same time continuing to represent our buyers and sellers and achieve the goals that they want. John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, or you can call John. With John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, or direct line telephone number 604 612 
1-800-227-8080. If you are looking at buying or selling, uh, we suggest John Carlson, 24 years in the real estate business, more than 1,000 career sales. I guess the big question, uh, John, for a lot of people is, uh, how is it that you're able to take a lesser of a commission? I, I looked at some of the comparisons of the real estate fees on your website, johnnysmartpoint.com. I encourage everybody to go there and check them out for yourself. But I took one example, a mid-range example, on a $600,000 property. Your commission is $12,000. The other guy, nineteen five. How is that possible? Well, um, if you're reading from my website, I'm comparing my commission structure to the most typical, you know, traditional commission structure out there in this area, which is 7% of the first 100000 and 2.5% of the balance of your sale price. So not all commissions are the same. And it must have been, I don't know, at least 10 years ago, a little bit more that the uh, Competition Bureau opened up and said, hey, you know, you have to allow, you real estate industry need to allow different consumer uh, choices in terms of commission structures. Um, so I compare... When I compare my, my commission structure now at, at 2% realty, it's 2%. You sell a million-dollar property, 2% commission. 1% is kept by myself and my company, and the other 1% is offered out to the buyer's agent uh, because MLS is a system where the seller pays commission. Um, you know, and, and really, I suppose, you know, what, I do, what, the, what the idea, whole idea of SmartPoint is, uh, is to let people know that, uh, you know, the way I'm doing things, I think, is the smart way to go. You can have a full-service agent who, you know, does all the traditional things. We talked about the 3D tours and the marketing and when open houses return, that sort of thing, and mainly give you very good service and advice based on the experience that I have. And I can still save people money, generally 30 or 40% compared to the majority of my commission without cutting corners or providing inferior service or inferior abilities. So, um I happen to do well because I do a lot of volume and I'm somewhat in demand. So, um, you know, I, I don't have to um, necessarily try to bleed every cent I can out of a, a seller when they sell the home. I, I provide an upfront value proposition that I think is a very smart way to go. Um, could there be people that operate even cheaper? Yes. Um, but I think I'm in a situation where, uh, given my record uh, and my experience level, I think it's really a smart idea to at least give me a try and uh, let me come over and talk to you about what I can do and the money I might be able to save you compared to the other agents you're talking to. Well, it's always good to interview potential real estate agents if you're looking to sell and uh, make sure that you agree with their marketing plans, etc. I guess the big point here, or the big question some people might ask is, will my, mar- and you touched on it, uh, will my marketing of my property be diminished because you are earning less money off listing this and possibly selling this property? How does that affect the marketing of my property? Good question. And that's another one that I do get, Manny, and I, I appreciate you asking that because um, to me, uh, at least the way I do things, my commission structure is not really, say, directly linked to the service I provide. I mean, I've been, uh, again, I've been, this is my 24th year in the business, and I've worked at the other big companies that charge seven and two and a half. And I don't do anything differently now, you know, other than new technology and things that have come around than I did then. So when I decided to step into uh, this role where I was um, going to offer a better value than most of my competitors, I also made a decision that I wasn't going to cut one thing. This was still full 100% pedal to the metal, working for a client and giving good advice. So um, it doesn't affect anything um, in terms of the way I do things. I'm happy uh, for the commissions that I charge and to work for that. And I find that most of my sellers at the end of the day, 
Um, you know, in fact, most of them say to me, you know, hey, John, we're happy with the way things went and we want to thank you. And saving money was really the icing on the cake because, and I think that's true because I don't think, and especially in the real estate business, you should necessarily choose somebody who offers you the cheapest rate. Um, in, in real estate, I think there's a, a level of expertise that is going to be key when it comes to negotiating offers and helping position properties and, and giving advice that will result in, you know, the results that sellers want. So, uh, you know, I would say to the listeners out there, yes, I can save you money, and that's, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, I might save you five or ten or $20,000, depending on your price range, compared to some of my competition. Um, but I think the real value there is having an agent who... Um, you know, who always tells the truth. I tell the truth as I understand it. I report back to my sellers. I'm not a decision maker, but I help them make good decisions. And um, I've got a good track record doing that. So I think that's the main thing. But the commission savings is also pretty sweet, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised when I uh, saw you making the comparisons on your website, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. I was amazed. At, you know, I, I listed off just the one $600,000 property. Uh, the savings in commission to me, so these are dollars in my pocket. Pocket, which is always the best place to have money in my pocket, <laughs> yeah. seven thousand five hundred bucks. That, that's a lot of do re mi. It is. It is. Yes. And uh, you know, people ask me how can you do it. And I think you've asked me that. Um, and I, you know, part of the answer is, is volume. Um, but also, if, if you're an experienced agent, I mean, I've I'm streamlined. I've got in-house marketing systems. Uh, you know, 3D cameras, uh, social uh, media campaigns. Um, you know, so I, I do a lot of it in-house and it just makes it easy. It makes it quick to respond. I mean, I can take a listing and by the next day you'll be up on MLS with photos and, you know, a 3D tour and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, there, the commission is, is one part of it. Um, and the way I achieve that really is just through my experience in doing volume. Um, you know, I don't have to cut corners. So it's, I'm glad you asked me those questions because I think a lot of listeners kind of want to know, how does this work? How can you charge less than most of the competition? Uh, give me a call, and I'll give you more info on that. For well, sure. uh, yeah, it's it's simple. Just give John a call. He'll explain everything to you, and he can go into much more detail than we're going into today. JohnnySmartPoint.com, or call directly 604-612-0080. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, along with John Carlson of 2% Realty. I guess it brings into question, John, why have people been paying all these hefty commissions over the years until John Carlson came along? Well, I don't, you know, I'm not the the movement in terms of um, commission uh, adjusting. Uh, you know, I, there have been other companies in the past that have had introduced different business models, but I think really, um, you know, uh, the real estate industry is rooted in tradition. Um, real estate brokers, and by that I mean the the licensed people who have a broker's license and own a company and have, you know, a number ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred licensees under them working because we have to work under the umbrella of an agency. These brokers are the ones that, that decide what the company policy is, and anyone that works at that company follows the policy. It just happens to be that for many, many years, most of the traditional real estate companies have had an office policy of charging 7% of the first 100000 and 25 on the balance. So um, that's partly tradition. Uh, partly has to do with um, the fact that the average agent out there maybe does three sales a year, four sales a year, and they, you know, I think that brokerages want to have a business model that it works for everybody because they sometimes have a lot of realtors in their, in their, you know, in their company. Um, but to me, I mean, they can do their business their way. I have my way of doing it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a different business model that saves people money. And that's been one of the reasons I think, quite frankly, 
that I've been as successful as I have been this past 10 years. Well, I would think, too, uh, John, with uh, the changes in how everyone is working, uh, how soon are we going to see actual real estate offices uh, back open and running? So I know a lot of the cost in the real estate industry is actually running a real estate office. But if everybody's working out of the home, it brings down those expenses and hopefully the uh, prices it costs uh, your clients. That's for another day. Is there a segment of the market that is particularly strong right now if someone wants to list? Uh, and if, if there is, what is it? That's a great question. And again, it comes down to, down to, to pricing. Um, I'm finding that if you get out of the city of Vancouver say you're in Coquitlam, um, Surrey, Maple Ridge, uh, maybe you go out to the Fraser Valley and Mission even, and a nice home in a good area, a detached house with a, you know, a decent lot. Um, these are properties that buyers are looking for, and the, I'm finding that the competition is, is a little bit weak. So um, you still have to be priced reasonably. I mean, buyers are, uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll back up a minute and let you know that some of the multiple offer situations I've been in lately are not like the multiple situation offers of three years ago. In other words, people throwing ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars over the list price. I'm finding that even in multiple offer situations on listings that are priced well, buyers are still coming in very close to the list price, sometimes under, sometimes over. But it's still a price conscious market uh, because nobody wants to pay too much. Having said that, in some of these detached segments, like I mentioned, there are very few good listings uh, for buyers to consider, and those ones tend to be hot. Um, I met people recently, and I'm hoping to have a new listing uh, out in Port Moody at a really popular townhouse complex. Usually in this development, at this time of year, you might see six or seven listings, and the sales success history is wonderful because we're looking at you know, six and $700,000 price ranges of, of nice townhomes. Well, right now there's nothing listed for sale. So to me that says you know, people that are thinking of selling, if you're the only game in town, you probably don't have to be as price sensitive. So that would be another another segment. Um, the downtown condo market, I mean, just last night I got an offer on a property on National Avenue, and uh, that one's listed at 800000 And that segment seems to be uh, pretty good if you've got some square footage and you've got a good building with the insurance in place and all that sort of thing. So um, there are a number of segments that uh, are getting some pretty strong activity compared to the number of listings out there right now. But it is kind of hit and miss. I've seen other segments of... Um, you know, listings that might be overpriced and been on the market a long time, they're pretty much being ignored. Um, I don't do a lot of high-end luxury segments, but those ones with the discretionary buyers are kind of, they seem to be um, a little bit softer as well. I would think that in this particular market, and we can look ahead maybe two or three months, because I don't think there's going to be a substantial change in the market over the next couple of months, but this is this would be an ideal opportunity for someone who sees the opportunity and can work that opportunity to buy a home or sell a home. Now, I'm thinking mostly of a buyer. If, 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 you're, if you've got a savvy real estate agent and you are somewhat savvy yourself, there are some great opportunities. Uh, John Carlson of 2% Realty will point those out to you if you get a hold of him at 604-612-0080 or go onto his website, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. Com. John's been one of the top-selling real estate agents over the past decade, 24 years in the game, more than 1,000 career sales. Would I be correct in that, John, that there are lots of good opportunities if you're savvy enough to realize them? 
I think there are. I see, and, and I have clients uh, this this way. They've been looking to make a move for a while. Interest rates have reached very low, uh, you know, percentages um, recently. So there's buyers out there shopping who have maybe their jobs are secure. They have a two and a half percent interest rate, and uh, they realize that now their buying power has increased. And some segments of the market are soft. So. Um, if you were looking in one of the softer segments, chances are you could get a, a pretty good buy. Um, of course, you know it's it's an old cliche in real estate that you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. So you want to you know you want to buy properly, and that's always important. Um, but one thing that does occur to me: we do have this cloud over our heads of the Canadian economy and how it will respond to all the financial stimulus we've been throwing out there, and that remains to be seen. But I can think of over my career of, say, the 2007 uh, uh, financial crisis, Greater Vancouver, you know, we, we had a bit of a misstep and then we rebounded very, very quickly. So uh, once again, I'm going to suggest that Vancouver, Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley are areas with a lot of migration, with both from within the country and from outside the country. And there's a lot of demand for real estate here. And I would suspect that when things start to turn around, you know, for real permanently, that we will be probably one of the quickest and fastest ones to rebound. So it remains to be seen. The prices are, are solid right now. We do have some economic uncertainty in the horizon. Um, but I think Greater Vancouver is uh, positioned quite well to weather whatever's coming down the pipe. Well, we're going to have to end it on that note uh, with the hope that folks who are listening, uh, either interested in uh, selling or buying, get a hold of John Carlson at 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, or you can call... John directly, 604-612-0080. John, we look forward to your next real estate update on Vancouver Consumer. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Manny Bazunas. Along with Andrew Ferrer, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Are you a cruiser? Honestly, no. Uh... Like I, I, there was a couple of cruises that I would that I would do. I do an Antarctic cruise. I do a Norwegian cruise, but that's about it. I'm not a huge cruise person. Uh, but unfortunately, the local economy doesn't have the luxury of choosing these things. Uh, news came down yesterday, and this is a big hit to the local economy: is that the Ottawa is saying no cruise ships with over 100 people uh, until October 31st, effectively canceling the the summer cruise ship season, which is massive, especially here in Vancouver. Uh, you know, Vancouver Port spokeswoman uh, Danielle Jang, uh, this number shocked me when I saw it, but every time a single cruise ship uh, docks in Vancouver, it's about $3.3 million in just spending alone uh, into the local economy. And so that's going to be a gigantic hit to an already, you know, geez, already on a, on, on life support, a lot of our, our local restaurants, uh, retail, uh, hospitality, it's already, you know, we're already on life support and not having the economic jolt from a cruise ship season is going to hurt even more. Now, I personally think, you know, this is the right call. We, we can't afford, to, you know, uh, as much as we need to, you know, do what we can to invest in local economy. The possible inherent risks of this are just too much, in my opinion. Well, I think one of the risks, not only the ships docking here with people from where we don't know and maybe have not been tested prior to getting on the ship, but a lot of people who leave from Vancouver on a cruise ship come from all over the place. First of all, how are they going to get here, if air travel is limited, to get on board a ship? And how are they going to check those people uh, when they leave and when they return to port. So it's not only the people coming into port. I think it's 
as much a problem for people leaving from here and those people coming in from outside British Columbia to get on a cruise ship. Well, exactly. And there's only so much screening that we can do. There's only so much testing that we can do. Uh, And it's just not worth the risk because all it takes is one person either coming off the boat or going on. Right. That's all it takes. Uh, and this really, this like, this is a gigantic hit. Like in 2016, the cruise tourism industry and BC alone was worth more than two billion dollars. So the 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 hit that this is going to have on, you know, I, I think about all of the restaurants and all of the 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 boutique retailers in Gastown and downtown. The rent and leasing there is not cheap. And for some of them, I can imagine they make up a whole lot of money during, you know, the stretch between now and September. And that's just not going to be happening this year. So expect a lot more closed doors, which I think is a shame. Yeah, you don't see too many businesses with only a several month window bringing in uh, two billion. That's what the B is in Bob. Uh, dollars. Andrew Ferrara, executive producer, Ask Andrew will be back. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.